Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Harry and John, and you're listening to the Tech Marketing Podcast, the show that helps you navigate the exciting and fast-moving world of B2B technology marketing. Today, we're talking about attention, and if it's a new metric, uh, with some incredible guests, we have Sarah and Erin joining us from our media team, um, who are who've been exploring this space for the last uh, few months. So we're super excited to talk talk to you guys about this new attention metric, and cannot wait to get started. Thanks for joining us, Sarah and Erin. Hello. Hi. So let's let's kick off. Let's like let's do a, a few intros around the room, if that's okay. Um, so give us a little bit of background on yourself, your role, and how you've how you've ended up on today's podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm the programmatic and insight strategy lead. So I've worked in media for around ten years now across um, B2C and B2B agencies. Um, together was my first. B2B agency that I've worked with and I've recently moved into a programmatic only role. Hi, I'm Erin. I'm um, the media strategy director at Together um, and I have worked in media for over 10 years now uh, with experience in B2B and B2C. So you guys both work in media. It's been incredibly interesting and uh, it's been there's been a lot of fluctuations in media. Uh, I suppose, particularly post-COVID. Tell me, how do you guys feel the industry has changed? I think like COVID was such a weird time for marketers. And I think that actually working in the B2B space, like it was interesting to see because I moved from a B2C role to a B2B role in COVID. And for what B2C didn't have, like B2B was fairly stable. And advertisers of anything were moving more to digital like digital transformation was a massive topic around b2b i think that now as we move out of the kind of covid time and people are back in the office i think that what people are looking at now is around like the third party cookies going like yes does it keep getting pushed back but the industry's changing to where we're looking more at the user and, and what kind of privacy the user wants. And I think that's something in marketing that we haven't really seen before, where everything is kind of user and privacy first. And um, I think with that, it's really paved the way for like these different types of measurement. And I think that's what Erin and I are going to be talking about a bit more today is just that what we might have looked at a couple of years ago, I think, especially post-COVID, where lots of things moved online, like users are just bombarded with different kinds of ads now so what can we do for our clients to look at different metrics to make sure we are really standing out I feel like a lot of the changes that have happened are more accelerations on things that were going to happen and so for us it's been great because clients um, or you know companies brands etc have have had to move into to that space really fast to adapt Um, so I see it as a really positive thing, um, even though you know COVID itself was not positive. <laughs> very um, turbulent time, really stressful time. Um, but it means we can have totally new conversations in those new spaces. A lot of the challenges prior to COVID are the same now. We still talk to clients about brand challenges, about how to gain attention from from their audience, and and yeah, we, it's just. Um, yeah, the acceleration of that conversation. Erin, you mentioned the word attention there. And Sarah, obviously, you talked about like how we're moving to that privacy first world. And we've talked about cookies a lot on this podcast. I think it's been a, a very popular subject that our listeners 
uh, hopefully have loved hearing about and, and the saga that's been going on over the last couple of years. But, you know, what are those new metrics that we're starting to see the shift towards? So I think one of the big, like, especially in the digital world, one of the metrics that we've always looked at has been around viewability. So is your ad actually in view? So it doesn't look at anything post being in view. And a lot of agencies and a lot of advertisers have, have focused on that for a really long time. Um, I think the viewability metric now is something like 50% of the ad is on screen for one to two seconds. So actually, you think about that in context of all the content that we're being bombarded with. Actually, is that a great measure of how an ad can be successful online? And I think that especially in where we work in the B2B tech space, actually, we're not going to be seeing often some of the the kind of further end metrics like sales, we're not going to have visibility on that. So how do we prove to our brands that we've actually got their ads seen by the right audience? And that's where more of these attention metrics have started coming in. So from a programmatic side of thing and from a digital side of thing, um, we work with ad verification partners on looking at metrics that can kind of complement viewability. And so we look at ad quality we look at interaction time so we know that traditionally advertisers have looked at i've served an ad has it been clicked on i think that the industry is very quickly moving away from clicks being the only measure of success i think that's been talked about a lot in the industry over the last couple of years but what attention metrics allow us to do is actually look at how users are actually interacting with ads and then what levers can we pull as an agency to make sure that we're then getting that best attention quality possible when we're trying to measure attention what are we measuring to get a bearing on how much attention is being paid so it depends which partner we're using so um at the moment we use a partner called moat who are an ad verification platform and this is something that's new for us as well so we've really started to look at three main metrics and um, we look at things like attention quality so of users that actually hover on the ad so when their cursors over the ad do they actually interact with it sometimes I would say that is going to be a better measure of has the ad been seen than viewability where it's just that the ad is on the page that a user's on it makes sure that we're actually looking at user-generated metrics, if that makes sense, where we're actually interacting. Um, There's things like interaction time. So has a user entered the frame of the ad and then have they interacted with it? I think there's there's also thousands of attention metrics. So we're working through now with clients to see like what are the metrics that actually are shifting the dials? Like whether that be brand resonance, whether that be brand recall, like what attention metrics can we start to look at to show that our campaigns were more of a success? So we're in the process of discovering the best ways to measure attention right now. I I would say so. And there's companies that are springing up now that are just focusing on attention. So it is going to be a big topic, I think, in the next couple of years, especially when the third party cookie goes. But there's a there's um, a newer company called Playground XYZ who 
work out their attention metrics by using eye tracking. So they're looking at how a user physically interacts with ads and they've seen some really great results in that. I think that players in the market now are starting to look at the technology they have and also look at partner technology to see what we can really learn and enhance those metrics for clients. Because I think that as time moves on, like clicks and impressions are going to be more of an ambiguous way to look at how a campaign has, has performed, especially in the brand space. I guess, Sarah, just asking a set of follow-up questions here. Like, so, you know, we're moving away from, and we famously in Together Media, we, we I think we talked about this, uh, Emily, who's been on the podcast, joined us on the podcast as well, uh, has talked about moving away from, you know, CPC as a metric generally across media. Like it's, and, and everything you've been saying has been much more focused on, instead of has, it, has the ad been viewed, this viewability, but moving towards a, a process of um, uh, has it has it been interacted with? Is there are there other ways of doing it? But it sounds like there's not like one attention metric. It sounds like it's a foray of different metrics that you could then combine to understand if someone has paid attention. Is that correct? Like we're not seeing there's not like a whole brand new metric we can just pull out and say now we're measuring it. We were measuring viewability. Now we're measuring attention. It's it's completely different. Yeah, I would say there are there are loads of metrics that you could look at within attention, and I think that all of them complement viewability I think the main thing we as an agency want to do is like see if our ads have actually generated real attention and are our brands kind of shifting in how users are interacting with them are they shifting in their kind of brand metrics I think there's lots of different levels to this and I think that we're learning as much as everyone else in the industry so we're testing to see what metrics we can bring in to really complement um what we've seen previously I think it is really difficult to say like this is the new metric because there are so many and there are so many different ways but I think there will be a lot more focus on where are our ads actually being seen so really quality environments what does our creative look like because realistically the creative is going to do so much that it will all complement together and then I would say that we'd start to work even closer with our brands with our creative agencies to make sure that we're actually generating that real attention for clients. Yeah, and I, I would say like the and I you produced Encore has produced a great piece uh, talking about some of these different metrics. Um, remember, and I, I, I seem to remember we're not saying we need to get rid of viewability, are we? We're saying that still has a place in the metric uh, tree. I don't know why I've given it a tree. Then it looks like a tree to me in my head, but the um, uh, it, it still has a place uh, a place to play, but. The, the wider piece here is we should be looking at other ways to really understand if people are paying attention to ads. Is that right? Yeah. And I think what I'm not saying is that attention metrics replace all other metrics because, of course, do brands want people to go to their site and read content and engage? Of course they do. But whilst there are so many ads across the web now, is viewability which I've mentioned is not actually seeing an ad for that long, the best way to measure the kind of off-site brand metrics. I'm not sure, but do I still think it's something that we'll look at and we'll, we'll evaluate on? Yes, but I think that we need to be more sophisticated in how we're looking at groups of metrics together and then evaluating success differently, both now when we have cookie data and then post so we can really be prepared for when that shift happens. Mm-hmm. And what do we think, 
I mean, Aaron, bringing you in for a moment. So we've talked about, uh, you know, a lot of this really just thinking about online display and programmatic, like, are any of these metrics changing across the wider media ecosystem? What, what impact are you starting to see as we move away from third-party cookies uh, towards IV-based solutions and, and trying to have higher quality data and, and, com- and conversations with our prospect audience? The focus is so um, towards online. So whilst there's so many different media channels that we look at online, especially in B2B tech, because it takes up such a large share of, of spend usually, it has this really intense focus and like constant optimization of ways that we can measure and ways that we can look at things. As Sarah's saying, like there's loads of companies coming out now with new ways to measure attention because, you know, attention has never, it has always been what advertisers have wanted to get from like day one when, you know, I don't know, people were had post, they were just using posters. So it's that, that focus has never, it, it never changed, but, online is such a tri- tricky place to to monitor that but it's so important that we keep evolving and um looking to answer that question just understanding like are we seeing like fundamentally the way that we measure campaign activity changing um because you know we've seen this change happen in marketing departments up to now where they've gone from really thinking about just trying to trying to measure the impact of their brand to being very much focused on leads especially in b2b and now of course we're moving towards revenue like the revenue based era where it's it's in more integrated with sales it's more uh it, it, we, we think less about the absolute numbers of leads that we create and more about the value we create to the business we, we drive to the business and so i'm thinking if i if i put my cmo hat on for a moment like what what would i need to evolve in my um, media dashboards or, or, or how I plan my activity that helps to to move be ready for the for, the, for these changes in the ecosystem I think um, I think we need to be real realistic about what media can actually do and I think sometimes we ask media to to do um, to do things that it can't and there are so many different ways to activate your media and there's so many challenges or barriers um you know client budgets or or um, access to creative access to technology the list is literally endless so all of those things have to be balanced in our response i think to keep at the front of our minds is we want people to look at our ads and engage with our ads so that's why attention is this like holy grail that we hope to see even more fantastic innovation in how we measure it um but yeah, we have to we have to be um, realistic in in like what our what media can do. And just to add to what Erin said, I think like looking at it from like a CMO's point of view, like realistically, I think that there are so many metrics in marketing that you can almost get lost in what you're trying to achieve. And I think thinking about like what do you want this advertising to really do for the business like what do you want the real business outcome to be I think hopefully marketers will start thinking about their advertising more like that and I'm sure they do but I think that also requires agencies to make that shift too because being in an agency you see up to a certain point we can say that campaigns have done fantastically on x y and z metric but has it actually fed into the business goal that we want to achieve, I think that's going to be something that really starts to shift in the next kind of 12 months, just to make sure that 
advertisers and also agencies are all on the same playing field with what they're trying to achieve because it does it so easily gets lost with metrics kind of flying around everywhere if you aren't going to evolve your creative then you can't just you can't kind of expect that attention or that engagement like you you have to consider the context of the market which is is um, your audience are really discerning against advertising they they don't necessarily want to engage in the way that you want them to engage so you have to work 10 times harder for that that attention and you're doing that in the context of you know really competitive environments i really want to make sure we get that point across sarah because i think you you raised a great fantastic point that i've seen get echoed again and again which is we're getting to a point now where we're over metriced um a little bit with 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 just generally like we we want to try and condense everything down to like a neat i I do the same right a neat little box that kind of says has this been a success yes or no but erin to your point I think that's one of the most valid elements, which is like, don't forget about brand and don't forget about that you're communicating at the end of the day to human beings, I think. Um, and it, you know, I, I, there was a great uh, campaign example I saw the other day uh, and they were marketing to uh, CTOs, right? So similar mindset, I'm going to say to myself, technical people. And they found, of you know, the rational message was that about uh, cost saving on reliability and all that stuff um, that you know that we do care about, um, and the irrational message was more about innovation and driving forward. And w- there's always this drive to be like, well, our product's about reliability, so we've got to talk about that. But they, when they tested the two, the irrational message, let's say, like outperformed the more emotional message, outperformed the the rational one by like a factor of three. Um, you know, so I think you know it is. I'm trying to think of the right way of, of, of summarizing this. Like you've got to sometimes Rory Southern says, you've got to make your own luck sometimes, right? You've got to just go out there and try something and be willing to, to, to potentially have something that doesn't have a metric against it sometimes. Um, and that should drive up attention in the long term. But um, yeah, I, I mean, really Erin, when I'm thinking about what you're saying is, is you've got to bring some of that emotional element into your ads at some point if you want to drive attention yeah you've you've got to work pretty hard to engage with our audiences um and and if you do then you'll see that success in their engagement how should we be looking at our data as we move into a more privacy focused world like realistically there are so many different sources of data that we have access to at the moment and that is about to change and i think we have been talking in the industry about how do we leverage first party data and i think everyone's tuned on to that but actually now's the time of how are we actually going to do this because i think that i've had conversations many times with we want to use our first party data but actually the logistics of how we do it and how we do it in a privacy focused way and also how we do it in a smart way I think is really going to come to the fore like we've got clients that have got all kinds of bits of tech but actually is their first party data in a in a format that we can use it maybe not so I think that we need to think about how we get that data in order and then how we actually start to use it like we're talking a lot more about CDPs and how our clients can start to use their data better I think the more we can test now the better because we want to get all of our 
ducks in a row. We want to make sure that that data is as usable as possible. And also we can learn from it. We can also leverage it. I think that it's going to become even more important, like actually giving users the experiences that they want across the web so where can we be really personalized where can we speak to certain companies where can we speak to certain people i think that's going to become even more important as we move into 2023 and like when we talk about data in this sense like and i can talk about cdps for forever like what do we what do we mean by data like what should the you know putting our cmo hats on for a moment like what data should they be collecting and how could that data get used because I guess you're collecting a lot of data within whatever your CRM is. So essentially any consented data that you can get from your customers is something that you can start to leverage. So whether that's my customers are coming from company X, what can we do to then speak to company X in a certain way? Like if it's certain marketing people, like how can we market to those people in more of a one-to-one, in more of a one-to-one way? Like, Essentially, any consented data we can look to use, whether it's an email address, whether it's email lists, like we can look to leverage those. As long as people are consenting and they're happy for us to use their data, the best kind of measure of what a customer is, is probably the customers that you already have. So what do we know about them? And then how can we leverage that further? I don't know if that really answers your question fully, but... No, I, I, think, I think it hits it bang on, Sarah, which is like, you know, you need... Uh, and I, I tend to think about this more as like different systems, right? So you have your CRM system. You probably even have, I keep talking about help desk, right? I think it's a gold mine for how some of your uh, customers will, some of the questions they will have, some of the interactions they'll have. Um, but you need to use it all to make it more relevant to your target audience. Um, and I think a lot of us, uh, a lot of marketeers, we, t- we like to start from scratch with a new persona instead of maybe looking at that existing data and mining it for, for, for value. Um, and the other advantage here with CDPs, of course, being a technical, put my technical hat on is we can then put that data into an ID based solution and, and, and segment it and market to it. So like that, that's where the, this future is going in a few years time. Um, and just as you say, we need to start somewhere now so we can learn those skills ready for, ready for when cookies go away. Um, we talked about coming back to attention, like, so of all the different formats that we have across across media, like what are the different ways that we found that we can maximize attention for, for, for it? So like what, what are the ways that we can drive these different metrics we're talking about forward and, and upwards? Yeah, so there's, um, there's so many different formats and they all do different things. Um, and I think that it's whilst, um, you know, if we focus on attention, we might say, okay, we'll use lots of video or high impact banners and things like pop-ups or I don't know, also things like content partnerships. But each one of those things has a caveat because um, certain um, high impact banners, people can view as obtrusive and that doesn't quite do the job that the brand wants to do and communicate in the way that they want to communicate. Um, But also we have the parameters of budget and audience size and um, objectives. So if we just put all of our budget into the highest attention format, say we probably wouldn't target as nowhere near as many people. Um, We might have more impact with those people at at that time, but we still have the need 
to build reach and frequency with um, the, you know, the target audience. So there's that balance as well. So it would always end up being a bit of a blend um, of things. And then on top of that, you have um, more um, or higher attention ads require more creative support, whether that's actually just providing a creative or building a content partnership. Um, so, so yeah, so there's the another element of, of work that goes into that compared to something um, more like a standard banner where you can provide creative and, and get that, get that running. The way I see that is like your higher attention ads are things like a video and like you say, content partnerships where you've got to put a lot more effort in, but like, I almost read that as like, there's different types of attention as you go through this. Same way we might talk about like brand and yeah, demand yeah. gen, Absolutely. like it's almost like you need, you need the bits of attention where they might just notice the logo and then all the way up to where they notice that you're, um, you're the expert in that field. Yeah. Is that right? There's a huge, huge sliding scale of, of um, formats that can deliver on attention and the way that they deliver it. Um, if you think about even on LinkedIn alone, the number of formats that they have that all do different jobs. Um, and that's the same across a number of other platforms. So um it, there's almost too many to kind of speak about, but that's just online. And then you look at um, sort of more traditional attention medias like TV. Um, so you, the, the scale of options is huge. But then, it, like I said, it comes back to what is that balance within what the client needs. And I think just to add to that, like working specifically on the programmatic side, that I think that it becomes sometimes a bit more of a harder concept to capture because do people sometimes think that programmatic is served completely on the open web and you could appear everywhere? I think yes. So there's a massive, what what do brands want? They want people to trust them and they want to trust what they're saying. And I think that with programmatic, there is a level of is there trust in where the ads are actually being served? Like, of course, we put a lot of measures in place to make sure we're only serving on specific sites and specific lists. But I think that with B2B, especially looking at the kind of premium formats that are going to stand out, but paired with this really like precise hyper-targeting is where you're going to drive the actual attention because there could be the best ad in the world and it could look visually fantastic and fit into the page. But if you're the wrong audience, the attention's not going to be there. So it has to come hand in hand with like the other parts of the campaign that we would kind of work to plan in. Because, yeah, you're only kind of as good as the either side when you're running media. Which is why data is so important, right? That's why we need the data to, to make that all to, to make sure we're targeting the right place and, and the right people are seeing the ad. So, yeah. Fantastic. And it gives the chance for each each channel to have like its optimum chance for attention. For example, like, you know, a TV ad might have had that big creative budget. It's booked an, a, an appointment to watch time of the day. And so we really view that that attention is going to be there. That's obviously different to a banner ad. But if you've got that targeting and context there, you're giving that format the highest opportunity to drive that attention. So do you think there's like an optimal, Erin, do you think there's like an optimal attention uh i'm trying i'm trying to think of the right like way of phrasing this like an, an a, a spike like an, op, a, an optimal attention uh, amount for each media format like 
Does that make sense? Um, I think that it's way too variable in that, you know, some sometimes when you're browsing on your mobile, you may be paying more attention to what you're doing there. And so that ad has more impact while the TV's running and you actually ignore that ad. So your attention is always flicking between a number of different things. So you're always, with media, you're always just putting something out in the best way possible um, to have that chance to, to get that attention. Um, so it's, you know, every human's like some might be having a conversation in a group of people and one person's paying attention the other person's not like it's so variable with each individual is this uh different in b2b than it is in b2c Hmm. it's a tricky one because you know we're all human um we all yeah (laughs) engage in that way i think but so yeah like b2b there's a lot of pressure on the decision like you can lose your job you can um, not get that promotion, etc. You can spend twelve million on a on onboarding a new platform that takes two years to get it set up, you know, properly, and then it doesn't. You don't get what you need from it. So when it actually comes to the decision making process, I think there's a lot of attention. B to C, it's too broad because obviously there's not a lot of pressure if you're buying a bag of salad or a burger or whatever but it that obviously changes if you're buying a dishwasher so there's a there's more of a sliding scale with b2c Do we th- are we able to change things like uh, let's say i think that different job roles are going to have different uh capabilities for attention at different times in the day or um or uh, or days of the week and, and stuff like that or it might be easier to get me to pay attention to something during work hours than outside of work hours if it's a work thing I mean honestly I think with there's no reason that we shouldn't be doing you know 360 targeting like you know day and evening with a B to B to B audience you know I think about work after work you know not in the same way but an idea might come or um I'm you know still linked to projects um I think probably not not necessarily by role again because I think it's variable or time of day or day of week although there's probably learnings in in like performance of of when things perform better in that way but I think probably it's seasonal and each client will be different and will um it's sort of more looking at that buying cycle uh, for um, our target audience than it is for, yeah. And I think I agree with everything that Erin just said, but again, because this is, it's like newer to the industry, I think that kind of time will tell. Like we're setting up campaigns in ways that we can start to test and see if we see any trends and see what we're seeing in the DSP is that the same as what we're seeing in the ad server? Is that the same as we're seeing in the bid logs? Like we want to make sure that we're accessing all this data to make sure that if there are trends, like maybe CMOs are, they do really look at ads on a Wednesday evening. Like I think all of that will come once we start to set out more tests and learn more from the activity that we're doing. Like, so we've talked a lot about attention. We like, I think in the website of things, like we're moving towards the uh, more what we call it google analytics is moving towards what they're calling engagement now right so like it really feels like we're moving away from like 
quite binary mechanisms of tracking activity like has someone clicked have they viewed this page um towards much more um fluid mechanisms of are they paying attention are they interacting with the content which i think is is a is a good movement to 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 move along with there's also like tons of innovation in this space as well like we've talked about it previously on this podcast but i don't know if either of you have come across like what's called the basic attention token that is like crypto ways that you can um i, I actually uh, my particular browser of choice that like, pays me in in these basic attention tokens now for like interacting with an ad um which i can then donate to another website that i paid attention to so it, it's like fascinating how we're potentially potentially using it like if i was like putting putting a cmo hat on again for a moment like what what tips would you give uh, you know, anyone in marketing now to to implement um, before uh, you know before third party cookies go away and before you know some of these other metrics start disappearing altogether? Um, like Sarah, starting with you, like what would you recommend uh, CMOs start thinking about from now on? So it is different to say even like the pre GDPR days where you could put tags on any part of the site and you could collect all this data and no one really asked any questions. And I think that now having like a really set out strategy for like, right, this is the data that we can get on our customers now. How do we get that? And having like your site in order and just making sure that where there are key points to the site, you have those tagged up we can collect data like i think it's really interesting because also with ga and ga4 being phased out not ga4 being phased in um but it's interesting because i've always found it so funny that bounce rate is such a is such a metric that people look at because essentially it's saying how badly your traffic does and i think moving to a more engagement and attention kind of way of mind is going to mean that the marketers then when they've got everything set up on their site will be able to see much more positive metrics to come out of that so I think it's just like get a good measure of how do the kind of goals on your site how do the conversion points on your site feed into your CRM feed into your other MarTech and how then you can start to think about collecting data because there will be a period of the unknown when cookies go and we want to make sure that we have as much data so we can put in kind of the new systems so when we look at GA4 just like how are we going to evaluate success because a lot is going to change quite quickly and we want to make sure that marketers don't feel like they don't know kind of what they're doing and we can't evaluate our advertising anymore and we don't know anything about our customers because it will just be that we look at them in a slightly different way. So I think it's getting all those kind of foundations, including like your data foundations in place now is going to be the most important thing to do, in my opinion. I couldn't agree more, especially with like, you know, we talk about cookies going away, but Google Analytics 3 is going universal analytics. The foundation of our analytics, you know, for the last few years is going away next year so you know you've got to start doing this doing this now but Erin how about from your perspective like what's how how would you recommend anyone get started on this path towards attention um I suppose um it'll sound like a big thing but it's it's a critical thing that's that's still deemed as a nice to have is is implement brand um Mm -hmm. activity as part of your media campaigns um and I suppose alongside that brand tracking, which I know um, can look 
like a scary part to take out of the budget. Um, but I think, you know, it needs to start to be looked at as as the value that you would have at the end of two years, five years, 10 years in leading in leading your um, your future campaigns and your engagement with your audience. Um, I think about I think it's um, important that brands look at, at at all the communications that they're having with their audience and and look to add value to their to their audience. Um, think about things think about whether things are gated or not um, just just have a really sort of critical view of all of the comms that you have and sort of you know think would I buy it would I buy into this um, am I just answering a problem now because it's based off budget and what I can put out or is this the absolute best um, have I tested this with a segment of my audience is this the most engaging thing that that we can put out um, to our audience um, and also um, like to adding to Sarah's point just around um, website and and things like that is is user experience so just think you know we're we're like merciless now when it comes to online experiences whether that's ads or you know specifically um, when we get to the website because a lot of a lot of what we're briefed on is is traffic driving but we need to make sure that um, you know that that is all um, as optimum as it possibly can be so yeah those are the places I'd start I think I think it's a great points there like brand brand tracking and of course don't forget about brand activity and, and having that 50 50 split but uh you know, you mentioned something there that I want to. I'm, I'm going to try and get a really definitive answer. I know you're not going to be able to give me one. Like, should I gate my content? Yes or no? Like, where are we with this? Like, this is the debate I think that that we all have in marketing teams, which is, you know, to gate or not to gate. Like, do so. Do, is there, is so like recent, I'd say like recent research is showing how ruthless our audience are um, with engaging with brands. So. Um, whilst it's fantastic for us to have that data and with the loss of visibility that that you know we're gonna have obviously it makes a huge amount of sense um but um trying to remember the stat from the latest linkedin but it was something like in in a mere 25 only 25 percent of a b2b audience would would download um, a piece of gated content mm. um, even you know like so it's so that other section of that audience would still find that really useful and interesting and wanted to access it but did not want to pass their details um, so <laughs> I think it's probably you know there might be an argument to game it a bit and so you can access parts of it or a version of it um, for free and to still try and drive some of that uh, data collection but i think really we need to find start to find new ways to get that data 100%. plus if i give you my email and i don't like the content i hate you now <laughs> yeah and they already didn't want to do it so yeah the the level of hatred is is very high like you are right by the way with that stat it is 25 percent. i've just pulled up the the linkedin report uh, on that one and it, it, you know that just puts it in context, right? Only if, if you think about it, 
if I if I do the sums here, five percent of the audience are in markets, and you know, really ninety five percent may not interact with it at all because they're not in market for your particular product. And then let's say twenty five percent of that, uh, are, are only twenty five percent are willing to give their details. Now I know those figures aren't mutually exclusive, but it just kind of so, shows you like the fractions of a percent that we're probably dealing with here. When you it's one point two five percent. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's, and I would say that's that is specific to EMEA, and actually in the US they are more more open to that, but. But yeah, I think we need to, you know, don't we like brands that are helpful and that <laughs> that help us? So um, if we know that, then then yeah, I think we would be moving that way. I've never thought about it that way, 100%. Harry. Like I actually, you're right. I really detest when I give my email address and then what, and I know best practice says you should follow up people straight away, but I absolutely hate the, the amount of calls that you get. And, you, and you're just like, I just wanted to get this. Reason. Transfer it to just any other form of life. It's just the, it's my initial, let's say I've never heard of this brand before and they want something off me. Like if, if my sink is playing up, all right. And uh, I'm at the pub and this guy goes, Oh, I'm a plumber. Do you want me to come around and have a look at it? I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. He's like, yeah, just give me one sip of your pint first. I'm like, mate, I don't want to deal with you already. Even if it's something tiny, you know, whereas if the guy's like, yeah, I'll come around and look for free. Well, there you go. Now you're, now we're in business. <laughs> Is that how you solicit workmen for your getting your stuff done around your house? No, I've got my contacts, mate. Don't worry about that. <laughs> steer fraction, steel fractions of your, of your, of your pint. But I think, I think, I think it's, you're entirely right there, Aaron. It's like, you know, you've got to put it in context and you have to find the right way to, to, uh, to build a, va a value partnership. I, I, you know, we talk about, I, I wouldn't say you need to game it, but you need to try some new, new mechanisms and maybe you know, give some of it or all of it away for free and, and, um, and hope they come back for the brand recognition. Like, give it all away talking about like how things have changed though like what's changed since since COVID? like ha have we seen attention change since covid as well over the last few years like what what's changed in that space so i guess from research that we did like at the start of covid and also towards the end i think that's one thing that i have seen really change is like the channel mix and the kind of channels that people are interacting with i think one of the main ones that we saw have a massive shift was things like audio, because now you've got that time to kind of engage with different kinds of content. Like I, I personally can't, but some people can work and have a podcast like running next to them. Like I think that again, that is that really lends well on attention because for me, I wouldn't be able to take it in. But for some people, the way that they're going to consume content now when they're being bombarded with content at all times is going to change. So actually, is it that 20 minute walk they're going to take at lunch where they're listening to a podcast and they hear the ads? Like audio is one of those amazing channels where people are really engaged because their headphones are on, they're listening to something, they're doing it with intent. And I think that we saw that fly up over covid with the consumption of things like podcasts and also even like digital radio so i think that was a big shift that we've seen i think there's going to be more shifts like of course we're now seeing like out of home coming back and like specifically for us digital out of home like that died a death over covid because people just weren't out and about and i think now people are like they're they're paying attention to those kind of things and it just makes things are now becoming just more addressable. Like who would have thought COVID would have bought the resurgence of the QR code? Like the QR code is such a big thing now. Before, if marketers before COVID put a QR code on their advertising, 
you'd be like, well, that's a silly idea. No one uses mm. it. Whereas now they're like standard practice. If you see a digital out of home ad, you might see a QR code on it. And I think- That's a really good point. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't think that's a COVID thing though. Like I think that's like the-, the pro- No, I think it actually is because every menu yeah. bro was on. Yeah. Every yeah. every time you went to a restaurant. Was, like, uh, but the big thing for me was that uh, on iPhones, right? You know, on Android, you've been able to scan QR codes like in the default camera app for ages, but we didn't see it until about probably two or three years ago when they added it to maybe two years ago when they added it to the default camera app on the iPhone. So you didn't need to have to like download another mm. app to scan it. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that think, probably counts. So I think those, you're right though. The QR, the, the like people's comfort level with scan. And by the way, yeah. I'm not actually much the behavior. Yeah, it's, it has. And I think, so I think that's, that's, that's really, really valid, which is, I think, I think on the audio audio thing with COVID, there's been like a two prong thing to it. Cause I think when everyone's, I think now you're either at home or you're in the office. And I think we did such a long time at home that the audio content is, uh, is kind of, it kind of combats loneliness in a way that no other content does. You know, there's like, if you like good podcasts and people chatting and stuff gives a slightly officey feel. And then if you are at the office, if you're watching a video, I won't, you know, you're the overseer can kind of see, you know, that's on your screen. But if you're listening to something, no one, you know, you got your headphones on. So actually on both sides of the post-COVID working world, I think audio has uh, has its advantages. Yeah, of course, if you're, li- you're listening to a podcast now. So if you'd like to sponsor us, no, I'm kidding. But the, um, the I, think, I, think, I think you're exactly right. Like, I, I'm intrigued to see how audio continues to develop now that everyone is going back into the office and everyone is traveling around more like i would expect to see it go up slightly but i think harry across across some of the podcasts we're involved in like we're we're not seeing like a big uptick in in listenership we're seeing it remain no we saw a downtick at the beginning of covid where commuting stopped and then we saw a massive uptick towards the middle yeah 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 um so it's 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 just I think I think the I, the advice I would probably give to most people here would be like keep experimenting. Like it, these are tools that you can put in your in your repertoire um, of different tactics, and I think you've got to just keep keep trying them. And and the thing about attention, in the same way that how people learn is that everyone has different. Yeah, Aaron, to your point, you were trying to make earlier. Like everyone has a different uh way of paying attention like some people will listen to things some people will watch things some people will um mm. some, some people will, will you know, still read you know newspapers and magazines and so you need to there's no silver bullet i think to gain more attention is yeah. what we're saying but but what covid has done is it's fragmented the market which to give us a lot more options like sarah was saying with audio with tv with out of home um so that's really exciting thank you so much guys for being on the podcast it's been an absolute pleasure to have you today it was great to be here thanks bye